Amen. I'm glad that y'all are here this morning. It's good to see you. I hope that you're ready to hear the truth from God's word. And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I love God's word. I mean, it speaks to me all the time and, and just really, you know, helps, helps me keep where I need to be. And, um, you know, it, it's, uh, this morning we're going to continue in our series on the one another's, um, in the, in the scripture. And so uh, we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, if you have your scripture and want to open up to it or uh, scroll over to it or whatever you do. But um, Ephesians chapter 4, last week we spoke about loving one another, and um, this week we're going to talk about befriending one another and what that looks like. And um, I, I really feel like this is a very important message and um, I just pray that this morning that, that it would sink very deeply into our souls. Because if we get this right, um, there's a lot that, that uh, will go right in our lives. Uh, and the Lord can use that in our lives. Um, you know, the philosopher Mencius, he said, Friendship is one mind with two bodies. One mind with two bodies and how different the thinking is from the, the 1960s song of Paul Simon. In his song, he said, I am a rock. <laughs> I am an island. And he suggests that isolation and even alienation is the safest way to live, if only to avoid the pain that is in the inevitable part of friendship. You know, we, we risk ourselves when we put ourselves out there. You know, Jesus told us to be friends and you can't do that without touching other lives, okay? You can't be in isolation and, and, and be a friend at the same time. Now, most of us probably understand what it means and what it takes to have good relationships. And, and, and for most of us, if not all of us, we are looking for guidance uh, as to how to build better relationships, it seems like most of the time we, we, we just stink at our relationships for whatever reason. We, we, we try and we try and they just, they just don't work out. And we know that we're living in very impersonal times. I mean, you think about it. You comment from your computer. You comment from your phone. You know, it, it's, it's all of these things and it's very impersonal. Um, we've had our fill of what I want to call plastic relationships and, and, and all of us would like to have some, some real and authentic uh, relationships uh, with the people that we love. And I think this is very, very important. So this morning, I'm not going to talk about the, the idea of love. I want to talk about the basics of the practice of love. And... Um, this is, this is crazy because I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't turn to my own expertise, my own years of experience and that kind of thing, but instead I turn to the wisdom of God's word because we need God's word in our lives. Amen. And, and, and the thing is is, is, is I take you to the simple, just most basic instruction from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 4 and, and, and verse 32 is going to be the focal verse but, but when you think about this, um, it's a verse that can apply to every relationship that we have. It can apply to between you and your spouse. It can apply between you and your children, your grandchildren. It can apply between you and, and your, your, your parent, your neighbor, uh, your classmate. 
your, your professor, your teacher, and, and so on down the line. And, and, and these words are so simple, yet so profound. Pray with me. Loving Father, as we look into your word, I ask that you would illuminate our hearts. Holy Spirit, these are your words. You inspired the Apostle Paul to write them down. And so I ask, Holy Spirit, that even now, that that you would bring us to conviction, that you would teach us your word. Father, that, that we would internalize it. And Father, that we would be forever changed because of our time together today. Father, I pray for the needs that are represented in this room. Father, those of healing, those of, of, of comfort. Uh, Father, those of, of just being restored and renewed. But Father, you know where we, each of us are today. And I pray, Father, that we would look at your word and, and know, Father, that, that you have given us some great help if we will use it. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So we're going to read in Ephesians chapter 4. I want to begin in verse 29 and um, just read down through the end of that chapter, but um, there's only four verses there. And this is what God's word says. It says, let no unwholesome word, literally it means rotten, okay? Let no rotten words come out of your mouth, okay? Proceed from your mouth, but only such as a word as is good for edification, building up according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Verse 32, Our focal verse here today, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also, also has, excuse me, forgiven you. He tells us to be kind. I want to say, give your best when you love, give your best. You know, the Apostle Paul, he suggests that one of the keys to a good relationship is showing kindness to one another, being kind to one another. And and I think this is huge because in in Paul's great description of the word love in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, love is patient, love is kind, so if we're going to love one another, we, we, we need to be kind to one another. And, and also Paul numbers kindness in the fruit of the spirit. Those things that the, the, the spirit does in us, the results of the Holy Spirit in us. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's right in there. And the Bible says that when we are kind, we reflect God's kindness. This is what Jesus said in Luke 6, uh, 34 and following. He says this, he says, if you lend to those 
from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. But Ridge, we need to be practical. We need to be practical with this. What what does it mean to be kind? To be kind. See, kindness is shown, is love shown in the little things of life. Kindness is, is, is love that is shown in those little things. And, you know, when we begin a significant relationship in our life, maybe we, someone catches our eye and we, we want to spend time with them and, hey, they're kind of cute and I'd kind of like to spend some time with them. And, and so we want to get to know them and we begin this relationship with others and, and we realize the importance of, of, of being kind on the front end, okay? And, and, and really, this is huge because we are constantly looking for ways to show kindness and consideration. We hold the door open. We give a back rub. You know, release that tension. We're giving a back rub. We pull out the chair. We express our appreciation for anything you can think of. And, and we try to do things, you know, we, we send cards or note or uh, for any number of reasons. We just want them to know that we're being kind. You know, in other words, you look for ways to show kindness. And, um, <laughs> you know, if the garbage needs emptied, you're eager to help. Uh, if the dishes need to be cleared from the table, you're on it. You know, you'll sit with your special someone and maybe fold clothes or, or, or dry dishes or, or even sit and, and, and quiet in the quiet and, and talk until the sun comes up. You'll do all of that because you're being kind. But somewhere, somewhere along the line, things turn around. When we start giving our best to others and only give what's left over, to those within our own home. Somehow this happens. The truth is, is that we come home exhausted. We come home stressed out and and wanting to be left alone. Taking out the garbage now becomes a point of contention. It's like, why are you asking me to do that? I've I've had a horrible day. We're too tired to give a back rub. We don't see any reason to help someone with something that is the responsibility of someone else. You know, it's like this. One day, a lady wrote to Ann Landers and she said, my husband doesn't talk to me. He just sits there night after night on his phone looking at the TV. And when I ask him a question, he grunts, huh? Or "Uh uh-huh. Sometimes he doesn't even grunt, "Uh uh-huh. All he really needs is a housekeeper and somebody to sleep with him when he feels like it. There are times I wonder why he even got married. So what happened? What happened in this relationship? I have a couple of suggestions. Thanks for asking. The first thing is we get lazy. 
We get lazy about our relationships. We take the relationship for granted and we stop working at it. Oh, we work hard at our business relationships. We look for ways to be kind, ways to show we care. But at home, we figure people know how we feel about them. They know we care. So we stop trying to be kind. A little advice here. We need to save some of our best for those we love. Secondly, I would say this. We get lazy, yeah, but we also keep score. We think for somehow we have to keep score. We're so afraid of doing more than our share that we keep a running tally sheet in our head of what's happening. And we don't want to be taken for granted, but here is what I've found. Both parties in a relationship feel they are giving the most to the relationship. Both parties feel that way. Well, I'm doing more than than she is. Well, I'm doing more than he is. And they both feel that way, that they're doing the most, they're giving the most. Throw the score sheet away, okay? Stop keeping score. I mean, you can't have a relationship that's run like a business. And when you're in a relationship, you have to give yourself to the other person that's in that relationship. I'm not trying to be weird. Men, if you have a friendship with another man, you need to give your, that other person, that relationship. You need to, you need to be all in. Okay. Because what happens is, is we're holding back, waiting for someone else to do that. Someone else to take the first step in being kind. It doesn't work that way. You'll find that kindness is contagious. Another reason we fail in our area of kindness is, (laughs) hear me now, we are taught to be mean. We are taught to be mean. We live in a world that, that teaches us that you have to fight for everything that you get. And if you aren't forceful, then people won't respond. If you show weakness, then others will exploit that weakness. And more and more, we see people yelling at each other in public. I mean, we see people that if they get cut off on the highway, they, they, they pull up beside them and pull a gun out. And they may even shoot. But let's face it, we've become a society of mean people. But listen, this world's philosophy doesn't work. This world's philosophy does not work. I have found that people respond much more with a kind word, with a soft word, than with a loud and harsh word. See, here's the deal. When we open up, when we open ourselves up, (laughs) when we're treated with kindness, When somebody's kind to you, you're willing to open up and give them a little more. But when we feel like we're under attack, the first thing we do is build a wall. Folks, try a little kindness. That's the advice here. It's very simple. Try a little kindness. If you want to deepen your relationships, 
then try a little kindness. You know, the next time you see something that needs to be done, just do it. I mean, maybe somebody else should have done it, but they didn't. And you can. You have that opportunity. But by your simple act, you may be lifting a burden from someone else. Listen, put your phone down. Put your phone down. Turn away from the television and look at whoever is speaking to you. Try a little kindness. I think that we all need to do that. We need to put our phone down, look at the person who's talking to it. Make a practice to comment on things that are going right, things that they are doing well. Work at trying to catch somebody doing good. I mean, once again, listen to Paul's words, verse 29. He says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, for building up according to the need of the moment so that it will give grace to those who hear. The Bible tells us that our words, this kindness gives life. Oh. See, do that something extra, not because you have to, but because you can. I mean, open a door. Hold the door open for someone. Help someone with their coat. Stop, really stop and look at the person and say hello so that they know that you care about them. Set the table, clear the dishes, spend an evening together. Be quiet so someone else can sleep. Oh, we can be the most annoying people sometimes. Guilty as charged. So be kind, be nice. You know, you could change the world if you will take the time to show kindness. You can enrich and revitalize your relationship simply by being kind. And the second piece of practical advice that the Apostle Paul gives here in this verse is to be tender-hearted. To be tender-hearted or sensitive to others. You see, it takes time to see life through the eyes of someone else. And it, it, it means feeling and sharing their struggle. It means reaching out to lessen the suffering of someone else. There's an old story that I read about and it really hits home. There was a train that was filled with, with tired people. They had traveled across the dusty plains and they were all just, you know, the, the sun was setting. They were looking forward to maybe getting a little bit of shut eye. And, and uh, there was at one end of the car, though, there was this, this man that was holding this little baby. And the little baby, once it was sensing the darkness, began to cry. Everybody in that car could, that, that train car could hear them. And, and the baby became restless and he began to cry more and more and unable to take it any longer. A, a big brawny man sitting over there. He speaks up for everybody else and he says, why don't you take that baby to its mother? And there was a moment's pause and then came the reply. I'm sorry. I'm doing the best I can. The baby's mother is in her casket in the baggage car ahead of us. Again, there was this awful silence for a moment. And then the big man who asked the cruel question was out of his seat and he, he moved towards this other man who was holding this child. 
And he apologized for his impatience and his unkind remark. And he took the tiny baby in his own arms and he told the tired father to get some sleep. And then in loving patience, he cared for that little child all through the rest of the night. Wow. Doesn't your heart yearn to be that kind of person? Don't you wish someone would show that kind of compassion to you? Maybe it's not a crying baby. In our church, maybe it is. Maybe it's not a crying baby, but maybe for you, it's something else. Maybe it's a struggle at work. Maybe it's a nagging physical burden. Maybe it's financial worries. Maybe it's turmoil over a career decision or a relationship problem. Maybe it's a grief that you can't even explain. But listen carefully. I want, you to, I want to share something with you that I don't want you to forget. The significant people in your life are longing for tenderheartedness and compassion too. Those closest to you are longing for that kind of compassion and tenderheartedness. Just let that sink in because we need to hear it. We can be so mean, we can be so rough, we can be so disconnected with those around us. But I want to remind you something. You, you want to find compassion and tenderness in those around you as well. And so when we think about that, it, it, it doesn't come easy. Tenderheartedness does not come easy for us. I mean, I mean developing a tender heart takes time. And, and here's the deal. We can't be tender-hearted if we are always on the run. If we are always on the run, we cannot be tender-hearted. The key element of compassion is making time to care. Making time to care. It means taking the time to look someone in the eye, to listen to their story, to understand. And folks, there is no shorthand for showing compassion. There's no quick way to do it. It just takes time. I mean, when was the last time you took the time to listen to your spouse, to really listen, or maybe to listen to your child, to hear their, their concerns, to hear how they were feeling. Or maybe it's a roommate or, or someone else, that, that, that relationship. When was the last time you took the time to understand and feel what they were going through? Developing a tender heart takes time, but it also is costly. Have you ever spent the day at the hospital caring for the needs of someone special? Maybe you didn't do much, but when you left, you were totally exhausted. Why? Because you care about people. When you enter into their lives and into their struggles, it takes a great deal out of you. And it takes energy to make that relationship work. Lots of energy. You know, it's a, it takes an emotional investment to feel what someone else feels. 
And tenderness is the key that unlocks the door to intimacy. Yes, it's time consuming. Yes, it's costly, but it's worth every ounce that we invest in it. And it's the only way to develop intimacy. And I'm not talking about sex here. I'm talking about being one with someone else. I'm talking about a deep relationship. I'm talking about a closeness, a oneness, that love. And folks, this is what we are all craving. We are all craving someone that understands and knows me. Someone who gets me. Someone who who can understand and, and be in my skin and walk the journey with me. That's what we all want. Men, women, everybody. We want somebody to care about us and know us intimately. And it's that tenderness that opens the door to that kind of intimacy. But the best way to cultivate a tender heart is to spend time with God. To spend time with God. We... we, When we spend regular time with God, we experience his tenderness towards us. And we, he builds in us that capacity to care about others. He helps take our eyes off of ourselves. And so we can see what's going around uh, on in, in the lives of those around us. And it's no accident that after a day of being with people and caring for them and showing them compassion, that Jesus would go and spend a night in prayer. Because he was restoring, he was replenishing what had been taken. But folks, that's the way it is. We, 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 we spend ourselves in, in order to cultivate that tender heart. We have to spend time with God. I mean, spending time with God should not make us harder or meaner. It should make us softer. It should make us feel our neighbor a little bit clearer about where they're at. See, I'm suspicious of folks who claim the name of Christ, but they are nasty, abrasive, and just plain mean. See, those people may be religious, but they're not spending time with Jesus. Because if they were spending time with Jesus, they would become more like Jesus and less like the world. But in our lives, that's what we see. And folks, that's what the world sees in us, is they see more of the world. So some advice, moving on. He says, for uh, being tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven us, this advice is to be forgiving. In your relationship with one another, Yes, be kind. Yes, add to that tenderheartedness, but also be forgiving. Letting past mistakes go. See, I don't believe there is any greater problem that undermines relationships more than carrying a grudge. Saying, I'm not going to forgive them. You know, sometimes it's over something minor. Sometimes it's over a, a major failure by a partner But now it's past and we won't let it go. We just won't let it go. We may say it's in the past, but every time there's an argument, the same thing keeps coming back up. And we want to use it against the people we love the most. 
the people we're trying to build a relationship with. I've done it. And I suspect you have too. But at the words that are preceding this command of Paul in verse 31, he says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. See, every one of those things is the result of an unforgiving heart. When you don't give forgiveness to someone else, you get bitter. It makes you a prisoner. You know, Counselor Archibald Hart, he says this. He says, forgiveness is surrendering, surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. Surrendering my right to hurt you for hurting me. But it's not a right that we are easily and willing to surrender. See, we want to keep score. We want to even the score. You hurt me, I'm going to hurt you back. And I'm going to wait until I have the opportunity to hurt you back. And that's the way we deal with other people. We want to even the score. We want to make them experience the same pain that we went through. But folks, that's vengeance. That's revenge. That has nothing to do with forgiveness. You know, Jay Adams in his, his book, From Forgiven to Forgiving, he argues, and this is huge, he argues that apologizing is the world's substitute for forgiving. Apologizing is the world's substitute for forgiving. He points out that there is not a single reference in the Bible that talks about apologizing. It's an unbiblical concept. But what do we teach our kids? You need to apologize. You need to say you're sorry. He goes on and he says, um, it allows the wrongdoer to tell you how they feel without acknowledging their sin and it does not ask the one sinned against to grant forgiveness. Which means if you don't recognize the sin, then you will do it again. Well, I'm sorry. Oh, we say it all the time. Has nothing to do with forgiveness. We're telling someone else how we feel. And they are the ones who was sinned against. I think he makes a very valid point. Here's some reasons to forgive. When we forgive, we are behaving according to God's character. I mean, we read about it and we depend on God's forgiveness and, and forgiveness is unnatural. I mean, you think about it. We don't want to forgive someone else. I mean, when we forgive though, we are behaving and acting with grace. I mean, forgiveness is one of the greatest blessings we can extend to one another. I mean, the psalmist says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. I mean, freeing someone from their past failures and sins is the greatest gift we can give one another. I mean, the most godlike thing that you and I will ever do in our lifetime is to forgive one another. I mean, that's what God does to us. He forgives us of our sin. 
Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, he forgives us. And we are to forgive, and that's what Paul says here. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. See, this lack of forgiveness, it creates a barrier in our relationship, which we will never be able to move beyond. We won't be able to move beyond it. Once you refuse to forgive, you build a wall. You build a wall. The relationship can go no further and intimacy cannot progress. Trust is undermined. So as long as we choose to hold the past over someone's head, that trust is going to be undermined. We're choosing to forfeit any opportunity for a deeper relationship. Now I'm almost done here. General Oglethorpe. He once said this to John Wesley. He said, I never forgive and I never forget. To which Wesley replied, then, sir, I hope you never sin. Isn't that the way we are, though? We don't want to forget and we don't want to forget. See, refusal to forgive cuts us off from God's cleansing forgiveness. Note that in uh, verse 32, Paul tells us to forgive as we have been forgiven. And our example, our model of forgiveness is Jesus. I mean, if, if we don't forgive each other, we show that we haven't appreciated the forgiveness that he has given us. An unforgiving heart, according to scripture, is an ungrateful heart. Ungrateful. And Jesus said, if we will not forgive each other... He will not forgive us. God offers real forgiveness and he wants us to do the same. So do you need to extend to someone else the forgiveness that God has extended to you? Just take that relationship and say, you know what? I want to forgive that. I want to I just give you the forgiveness that, that God has given me. I mean, is it time to cut your relationship free from the anchor of past failure? I mean, it's so difficult for us. I mean, I dare you to forgive. I dare you to forgive someone. I know the, the, the hurt was significant, but that's in the past. Let it go. Move on. Get back to loving. Tear the wall down. You want deeper relationships? Tear the wall down. You want good, lasting, intimate relationships? Tear the wall down. I mean, it's time to give the hurt and the pain to God and, and let him deal with it. I mean, when you forgive, it's the greatest act of love that, that, that you can show. When you forgive and set someone free, in fact, you're setting a couple of people free, them and yourself. Because you don't have to hang on to that anymore. You know, this morning, as we draw in here and our, our worship team comes back up, this morning, we've not looked at anything new, okay? No, no new ideas, no new theories. It's nothing revolutionary. Just biblical wisdom. Biblical wisdom. I mean, I don't have to argue that these things would change your relationship if you applied them. Because you know that they would. Each one of us knows that if we implemented this, it would change our relationships. But even as simple as things are, we still struggle. 
Even though they're very simple, they're on in black and white right in front of us, we, we still struggle. And the reason we struggle is that because we are by nature selfish people. I want what I want. Rather than, rather than giving it away, rather than just allowing God to do that, you know, and I, I, I feel for that because we are such selfish people and we need help. Because we need change on the inside. Not what other people see. We need change in here to be the people that God calls us to be. So let me ask you, what place does God have in your life? Maybe today what you need most is to receive God's love as he extended it in Christ. I mean, are you, are you willing to start the process of renewal by making a real commitment to God? Maybe we've fallen short. Maybe, we've, maybe we've, we're out of touch and we need to come back to him and restore that relationship because we've been unforgiving. We've been blaming him for things. We've been doing things. We've not been loving one another. We've not offered the forgiveness. We've not done these things, being tenderhearted. We've not spent time with the Lord. And so if we want that relationship to be what it needs to be, then we need to come to him and say, will you forgive me for not doing what I should have been doing all along? Are you willing to seek his forgiveness and to trust him in the things that are needed for the solid relationships? See, I say, if so, then tell him that. Tell God that. Tell him you're ready to do it. Tell him to, that you want him to lead your life. Ask him. Ask him to help you to be more kind, to be tenderhearted, to be more forgiving. Ask him to help you do the little things that will make an enormous difference. Because I believe that if you ask, he will do it. Would you pray with me? Loving Father, we thank you for this time. And Father, we're broken. And we desperately need you. Father, we've become more like the world and less like your son. So, Father, I ask that you would help us as your people to be more like Christ, to be kind, to be tenderhearted, to be more forgiving. Father, that we would be agents of grace. And that the harshness that people see in us would melt away. That our hardened hearts would be softened. That you would cut that hardness off. Father, that our hearts would be pliable to you. 
Father, that we would spend more time with you and less time with the world. Father, that we would desire to be made whole. Father, that we would treat those closest to us with love and respect. And Father, that they would not just get the leftovers. But God, that that we would lavish that love upon them the same way you've lavished your love upon us through Christ. Father, I pray for a spirit of repentance in your church, among your people, so that others would know the great God that we serve. That they would come to know Jesus the way we know Jesus. Father, I thank you. Holy Spirit, guide us as we respond to you. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.